0: are here, if you are here today, I want you to listen to me after you get to Ephesians 1, either on your phone or looking up here. This is the favorite, favorite, favorite message that I'll probably ever preach out of Ephesians or any other book. Now I know that's a lot to say because I'm a preacher and I probably say that about every message. but there is something so special about this message that I just I just I don't know. I, I got so many notes, I want to go through the sermons like I normally do. But I want to just stop, and I want us to just hear what I believe God is saying to us through this. If you can understand this, this scripture, Ephesians 1, ends with In Christ Jesus. It's the whole uh, title for our sermon series this year. We're going to go through the entire book of Ephesians. This is our fifth message, just on the first verse of Ephesians. So, I mean, we're just going so deep. But hear me on this. Everybody look up at me. Please See me smile. Everybody get this here. If you can understand this message, not just what Joe says today, but I'm talking about what Paul was saying when he wrote this down, what the Holy Spirit was conveying to us for you to know. If you get this, this will radically change your life. If you don't get this, Christianity will feel very much like a religion to you. Very much like a religion. Let me describe this to you because I want to take some pauses along the journey here to help you understand some of these key points. Let me just stop right here give you a little story, okay? How many of you can relate to uh, some of the problems that I would find myself in? When I lived in New Orleans, it was a hot culture, and sometimes it would be a little bit cold in the morning. I would put on one of my wool sweaters, thinking, man, maybe today's one of the days I can wear this wool sweater. But as the day would go on, the heat would increase, and then I would start sweating in that wool sweater. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe you did it here in Chicago. It's like spring right now. You're thinking, man, today's going to be cold. It's like 30 degrees south. And you put on something really heavy. You put on something heavy. And it's not the kind of thing you can take off because there's not a layer underneath. And about midway through the day, you start to get that that, that sweaty kind of uh, feeling. It starts to itch. And it was so funny because if you guys remember back in the late 90s, I rocked FUBU. And this one that I loved was a FUBU wool sweater turtleneck that literally went up to here, went up to here. And I would try to rock that so often. Often, but I would get burned by the day, literally, as the day would go on. I would be so hot, and, and, and I would, like, try to get away with it. I will say, I'm not going to wear a T-shirt underneath this. I'm just going to put on the sweater. And it would get so hot. It would get so itchy. It would just, And I would just want to take it off. And, and now, you know, if you can't relate to the sweater thing, some of you uh, ladies I know can relate to this because I know my wife deals with it. Men deal with it. Have you ever just been, you know, like starting off the day and you said, I'm going to start with these pants on. And you, you put them on and you have to like basically like put on like lotion to get into them. And you're like, you're, you're getting them on and, and you button them. And like midway through lunch, you realize like, oh, man, I ate too much. I ate too much. My wife told me the secret that ladies will do. They will take off their hair tie, undo their button, and and then do it in here. Does anybody know about the hair tie trick? My wife showed me the hair tie trick. So you just kind of wrap it through the part of your button, so you can get like another inch. If you don't know about the hair tie trick, talk to my wife. And so I've seen her have to do it, and it's like, like release and there's this there's this sense listen to me whether you have on this itchy sweater or you have on these pants that are way too tight or just one more example you you bought these shoes they were on sale but the problem was they didn't have the 11s they only had the 10 and a halves and you, and you said to yourself I'm going to get them anyway I got to get these shoes and 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 just as the day goes on your feet just you start your toes sees. and ladies you can you know what I'm talking about And there's a sense where you just want to get out of something and into the right thing. Get out of that wool sweater and put on that soft cotton pajama shirt you got at home. It's just like, just get me home. Get me home. I'm going to take off this sweater. I'm going to put on this soft cotton. Get me out of these shoes. Get me out of these shoes. Let me put on my sneakers. And it's like, breathe, right? Or, you know, get me out of these pants. Get me out of these pants. Put on the sweats when I get home. And here's the thing. I want you guys to get this. Jesus is saying, get out of you. Get out of this culture and come into me. The reason why you feel so itchy in this world, the reason why you feel so uncomfortable is because you weren't made to live outside of Christ You were made to live in Christ. You were meant to be in him. You were meant to be unified with your spiritual nature, with his nature, and everything else will just feel itchy. It will feel like that quinceanera thing or that tuxedo you had on, guys, for your friend's wedding, and it's just choking you, and you just want to get it out. You just want to get out of that dress, ladies. You know, let out the, the strings in the back. Come on. You just got to get out and get in. God is saying, get out and get in. That's what this means. Do you get that? I was on my prayer walk, and God wanted me to share that with you. Get out and get in. And if you don't understand that, even religion is that itchy sweater, going to church and just trying to do things, is, are those shoes that don't fit. It's that tightness that you can't breathe, and it doesn't work, Church doesn't work. It doesn't work, friends, unless you're in Jesus. Church is great when you're in Jesus, but it will not satisfy your soul. You were made for union with Jesus. Can I hear you say amen? Look to Ephesians with me, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, tells us this amazing concept of being in him. Paul is uh, it, the author here, and we've heard it before, but listen to it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's what kind of people? Thank you, God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful. Where are the faithful? In Christ. Where are they? in Christ. That's where the faithful are. They're in Christ. They're in Him. They're out of themselves and they're in Him. Now, you may say, what does that mean? Is that an out-of-body experience? No, what it's saying as you read through the book of Ephesians is that you're taking off the old self and you're putting on the new self that's created in the image of God and righteousness and holiness. I want to give you a few nuggies about the in Him usage by Paul. Paul, Paul is the apostle writing this letter. It's the in Christ Jesus full phrase, but he also abbreviates it in the Lord and in him. It occurs 160 times in his writings, in his 13 epistles, and 36 times just in the book of Ephesians. Now, what it means is 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 a broad, is a broad theological concept. So I took this out of a study Bible just to make it simple to understand. But my whole job today is to break down this concept, to give you examples like I did with the sweater, so that it becomes more than information, but revelation that brings transformation, so you can bring healing to a generation. Can I get an amen? In Christ, what it means is that the believer is now united with Jesus through their personal relationship, and they have their lives changed because in that personal relationship, in that realm, their character and influence and purpose has been given to them by God. Now, I just want to pause right here and give you another example that the Lord gave me with this. You see, in union, in him, coming out of yourself into Jesus, everything makes sense for why you're here. Your purpose makes sense. The influence of people in your life makes sense and how you'll influence others. And then your character lines up to be the right way. Now imagine this. You're in the woods and you're there with, say, another friend and you guys are walking around. Maybe you're in Sahara, Nevada, right outside there of San Francisco in California, one of the most uh, beautiful places in America. And you're there and you're just checking out everything. And let's say you go, man, let's get off the, the path. Let's go down another way and all of a sudden you get lost and then you and your friends start to freak out as the sun is going down and you're like what do we do what do we do and as the sun is starting to set you see off into the distance a, a little cabin and that little cabin has like a little fire coming out the chimney right you guys tracking with me and so you say to your friend let's go over there now you knock on the door nobody answers But the door is unlocked, so you go in. You're desperate. You need help. As you go into this cabin, you start to notice some things that are very strange. You start to see that, say, if you're a coffee drinker or a tea drinker, that your very favorite coffee or tea is actually already being cooked on the stove. You start to look around. You open up the refrigerator, and everything you would want in that refrigerator is actually there. You then look into the bedroom in the closet and clothes, like we were talking about, the ones that make you feel comfy are actually there. You look around this cabin and you get the impression that this thing was designed for you. The colors are your color scheme. The food is the food that you like. Even down to the silverware is if you were in a store picking out silverware, these are the ones you would buy. This is what it's like when you come into Jesus you realize that everything you've really ever deeply desired in life is there, as if it was already preplanned and predestined, because that's what God did. He predestined and preplanned for you to be in him, and he prepared your personality and your likes and dislikes to be fulfilled in him. As Augustine said, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. Another modern version of that is all of us have a God-shaped hole on the inside of us that only he can fill. And what this is talking about is that when we come into Jesus, and I'm not saying you just get whatever you want, some surface-level wish list. I'm talking about the deepest desires of your soul. To want to belong, to want to be loved, to have character developed in you when I got saved at 18 years old literally when I came into Christ I found the mansion that he had prepared for me I saw that in Jesus my personality now made sense it connected that I was always a true loyal friend And I expected too much of my drug dealing friends, and that's why I was always let down. But I found out why I was made a true loyal person, so that I could change the world through friendship and through character, through being a nice friend. Thank you. I don't know what happened to my voice, but I slept good last night. But I woke up a little bit bit hoarse today, but thank you, sir. And so I found also this desire to talk and to always be like telling somebody something about my life was, was connected in Jesus to one day be a pastor. And the artistic side of my personality began to come out through the things that I love to do. And it's the same thing with you. When you come to Jesus, the desires that you have, they find their ultimate purpose, their ultimate fulfillment. And it's not necessarily just for pastors. Like, you can can be a plumber with or without Jesus, but when you're a plumber with Jesus, you understand why you like mechanics, why you like helping people, why you like to work with your hands. You see that this is the way that God's made you. Let's keep reading. Union with Christ is the Christian's new environment. Everybody say new environment. See, it's that cabin that you now live in that's been prepared for you. It's the new environment. I'm not just someone far away from heaven trying to serve God who's up there somewhere looking at me. No, when we were born again, we came into Christ. And now where Christ is, I am. And where he is, I am. And everywhere I go in this world, it's a new environment. Things are now new. Not because they changed on the outside, but I changed on the inside. The way I perceive the world is now different. Because the eyes of Christ help me perceive them. The way I feel things in the world are different because my feelers are are initiated, my feelings are initiated and calibrated by the feelings of the Holy Spirit. My conscience is awakened. Everything the believer does is within the context of his or her relationship with Jesus and should reflect his influence and leadership. Everybody say, in Christ. Thank you. In Christ's followers, his followers are constantly aware of their Lord's presence and companionship. And we talk about this as practicing the presence of God. That's why I said if you have this wrong, you get all the other stuff wrong. You miss it. You think you're trying to do good things to impress people you're going to see once a week when all of a sudden you realize it's not about just trying to follow the speed limit sign. It's that the police officer has now moved and, and, and drives with you in your car. If all you see is religion as a sign, you pass by every now and then. then when you see the police officer, you're going to put on your brakes and say, things change now, different environment, different relationship. But if every time you get into your car, the police officer's already there, you look at how you drive differently. Do you understand? I'm not just coming here learning some rules once or twice a week. I'm learning to participate in my relationship with him 24-7. I'm learning that this environment that I'm in is the union of God. It's where the steel and the fire become one. Not that I become God or God becomes me, but there is a unification when you put steel into fire. There's a place where the fire and the steel intermingle. Still, the steel is by itself in a nature different from the fire, but there's a place where the union melts together, and that is where God is with us. He is saying, I've come to live in you and be with you. Because of this relationship, it goes so deep. Everybody go, deep, deep. Thank you, it goes so deep that the Christian lives are not seen as their own, but Christ living in them. Turn with me quickly to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 gives us a great insight into this. Another letter written by Paul. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. He lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've got out of myself, and I've gotten into him. I'm out of that itchy sweater, and I'm in him. He's in me. And now the life that I now live is not in the environment that I have been born in the flesh to become accustomed to. The life that I'm now living is in a different environment, one of heaven, one of spiritual. And I know that sounds like it's hard to believe, but just ask yourself this question. How do you now animate your physical body? How do you animate this body? They, they point to a brain and they say maybe we're highly evolved animals, but there's a difference between you and a highly evolved animal is that you have contemplation. You think about what you're thinking about. You have imagination. You can perceive things that are not real as if they were real. We just had a wonderful couple get engaged over the weekend. Let's give it up for Uriel and his beautiful fiance. God bless you. They are using their imagination. Animals don't have a way to have an imagination. Are you listening? You have contemplation. You have imagination. And then another thing that you can do is you can have meditation. You can choose what you want to focus on today. You may not be able to choose your feelings. You may not be able to choose the external environment. Someone can impact you and change your world right now. That is very true, an accident or something like that. But you get to choose what you meditate on. You're not just instinctual. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I've come out of my flesh in that sense, and I don't live there anymore. I don't live by five senses. Christ lives in me, and that's where I now live in this body. My body's my slave to my soul and spirit that's unified with God. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This personal unity, everybody say personal unity. Thank you and companionship with Christ is the most important thing in the Christian life and experience. Not even my words. Once again, study Bible here, right? It says this is the most important thing you'll ever understand as a Christian. This is the most important thing you'll ever experience is Christ in you. Union with Christ comes as a gift through faith. Now look at the 33 times that I found Paul use it in Ephesians. The study Bible says there's 36. I couldn't find the other three, but I found 33 times in him, in the Lord, in Christ, Paul uses it. I took the time to list them there for you if you want to find them on your own this week. I'm encouraging you to study along with us this whole year as we go through Ephesians and let the word of God saturate your heart. When we think about the in him, we have to see this opening letter of Ephesians and see what Paul meant by it. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 because as you'll see here in chapter 1, is the most amount of times in him is used. Let's see if you can count the times that it is used just in these first few verses. Now, of course, I put it in bold to help you guys. And whenever you see it, say it out with me. So whenever we see in Christ Jesus, what are you all going to say? Oh, y'all the best. You guys are awesome. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined Us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Verse 7. In him, track with me now. This is where it gets even deeper. In him, you were chosen, or we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him, thank you, with a seal, the promise, Holy Spirit. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? How many times did you count it there? How many? I know we were doing it together. How many times? Take a look at it here at the beginning. Verse 1, in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, in him. 4, in him. Right? You guys tracking? How many is that so far? That's 3. Verse 6, in the one he loves, that's 4 5? F- four, and s- let's count it again. Look at it. I want to see if you guys can get it in Him. One, verse three. Two, verse four. Three, verse six. Four. You were right, Daryl. Thank you. He's an engineer. I'm glad you're counting. Seven in Him. Five, verse nine in Christ. Six, eleven in Him. Seven, verse twelve in Christ. Eight, thirteen in Christ. Nine. marked in him as well as verse 13, 10. Come on, somebody. 10 times in those verses we're told that we're in him. Isn't that awesome? So where are you today? Where are you? Where are you? You have a decision to make today to be in Christ. That's your decision. No one can force this on you. God does not come and drag you into Jesus. He does not force you to come into him. You have to freely decide to be in him. As a matter of fact, that last one we see in him is verse 13. Has it two places. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Okay, you heard it, the gospel of your salvation. When you what? When you believe, somebody say believed. You were marked in him. Okay, do you believe? Now this is where we get to all of these feelings that we put beyond, uh, above our beliefs. And this is where I know we struggle because I've struggled here too. I believe in some way that I'm in Christ but I feel in a much greater way I am here on planet Earth and my toe hurts when I stub it. When people cut me off in traffic, I want to cuss them out. When, when my wife makes me upset, I want to hold it against her. When my children don't do the right thing, I want to spank them for my own sake to feel better. So I have feelings that seem to be much greater than belief. That's where most of us live, right? That's how we would describe it. And you see, that is... The perception of a man that's living in the flesh. The Christ is asking us to get out of that perception. To see that the real reality, that which is real for the believer, is his or her position in Christ. My feelings don't dictate my identity. My feelings don't change where I am. And that's where you and I have to make a decision to believe or not believe. When you find yourself saying things out of frustration and saying things out of the the place of just torment, which we've all been there, you will then find yourself to feel the most away from God. That's why you feel the the most away from God when people hurt your feelings because you're making the feelings above the truth that you're in Christ. That's why you feel the most away from God when you lost a loved one and you don't think you'll see them again because God is wanting to show you that he gives love that never goes away. And you're so obsessed with the feeling of love that someone gave you here and they can't give you that anymore. And if they can't give you that anymore, then maybe you won't feel love anymore. See, that feeling sets in. I'm afraid I won't have love like this anymore because this person has gone away. But what God is showing us through all of our relationships, all of them, is that his love is what makes them important. And so when we lose them, we still have the love of God. And I'm not to make light of when we lose people we love, but everybody get this. The only reason you were ever given a mother or a father was to show God's love. They are not the source of the love. God is. And so if you've lost someone and you say, I miss that person. I wish I could be in union with that person. I miss their love. That is not supposed to push you away from God. You're supposed to be pushed towards God by that need that I have to fill the love that's gone now. God, fill me where they used to fill me. Or you could say it like this, God fill me a different way now because you used a mother to fill me but now use someone else or something else to fill my heart with love. Love belongs to God and he disperses it through parent-child relationships but if parent-child relationships end, God is still sending the flow of love. Do you get the difference? That's why we don't feel, that's why we don't feel right in church when we're in sin because we are in sin we think that everybody's looking at us, the people that are holy or better than us and we don't believe that it was never by our good works that got us into Jesus so we really are starting to believe that it's our good works that got us into Jesus so therefore our good works can get us out of Jesus and we let sin bring us to a place of unbelief that says I'm not in him anymore I'm not in him anymore and then that becomes a reality and then this church even a great church like this becomes that itchy sweater that says why do I go here I just don't feel right here it's because you've come out of the reality of believing in him. Everything is here to show us who Jesus is. Let me, just, let me just back this up to the predestination that we just learned. Everything is here to show us who Jesus is. Jesus knew that he was created, Adam and Eve, for what purpose? For union. So everything he created in the universe was a living metaphor, a allegory, a parable, an example of union, all of the atomic structure, metaphysics, chemical reactions, all in union, working together as one on the atomic level, all of nature working together. I'm not trying to get weird here, but just track with me. If you look at the grass, it has to be in union with the dirt for it to grow. If the planets are going to work, they have to be in union in the solar system. There has to be a rotation. If there's going to be fruit coming off of a a vine, there has to be a photosynthesis and a union between the sun and the leaf, all of this. And then he creates man and woman. And he says two come together, two come together. But when Paul uses the the example in Ephesians, what does he say marriage shows us? What's the big picture of marriage? God and his church. So it was always about union with God. You were supposed to look at the garden he planted and go, this is about union, me being with my creator. You were meant to look at your wife, say it's about union. You were meant to see the animals working together. It's about union. And what does the devil do? Bring separation, bring disunion, bring division, separation, cutting you off from God. And that's why we we are in a fallen state. And that's why Jesus came. So Jesus comes. Now watch what happens when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, he shows us the first example of man in perfect union with God. God the Son existed on his own before all of creation. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Do y'all believe that? So Jesus is the Word. Jesus wasn't born on on Christmas Day. Jesus always existed. There he is. He's the Word. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Does everybody get that? In him, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. He's the one breathing into us, making us alive, putting in us his image. Now watch. At that time, he had no flesh. Jesus had no flesh. We did not have God in us. We had the glory of God upon us, and it seems like the glory of God was a clothing to us, like something that would sit on us, and it was a bright light, something that would shine, somewhat similar to the, the bulb having the light emanate from it. And when the bulb is on, you can't see the writing on the glass, but you shut off the bulb, you can see GE or whatever. And so when we were separated from God, the glory that was upon us, the Adam and Eve instantly realize they were naked. Why did they not know they were naked before? Because the glory of God was on them. So now listen, just get it real simple. Jesus had no flesh. We had no indwelling of Jesus. But we were created to be in union with Jesus. And so this is where most theologians get into discussions. We don't know. We use our best guess. If man wouldn't have sinned, would Jesus still have come in the flesh to then bring humanity to the next level? Was that the purpose of the tree of life and the right choice? Was us to go to that another level? Because when Jesus did come in the flesh to die for our sins, that is now what the kingdom coming is, us having resurrected bodies like Jesus Christ. I want you to see that in Romans chapter 8. Go there with me quickly. I've lost some of you guys. I can tell. Everybody say, Jesus became what I was so I could become what he is. See, you need to understand that Jesus became what I was. Say it again. Jesus became what I was so I could become what he is. Look at it in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, remember we talk about that as that cabin, God foreknew everything about you, what you would need. He also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That he, talking about Jesus, might be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. The goal for Jesus in humanity was now for him to be the stamp and for all of us to be stamped in his image afterward. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Jesus had no flesh. We had flesh, no Jesus. What happens at the incarnation? Jesus takes on flesh. God, man, becomes what I am. Now why? So that man can now have God in him. any other examples. That's all I got for you guys. To, I hope you get this he was the first one to take on flesh as being fully God. This is not something that had ever happened before. This is good theology. Trust me, my friends. I know what theology is, where it comes from. Our greatest theologians taught it like this. Read Athanasius, one of our greatest Trinitarian theologians that fought in the early church against the heresies. These were the men who came up with even our words, Tertullian, Trinity in these words, they understood that at the incarnation, it was not just so a super God-like man could walk around and we would call him Jesus. It was for the purpose of Jesus being the firstborn among the brothers and sisters, that he would make a literal new humanity, those that are God-like, not God in his ontology, God in his nature, but sharing partaking in his nature, being godly. Are you listening? This was the purpose. As a matter of fact, you can see it in Ephesians when it says that he came to make one new humanity. Those are the actual words of, the, uh, of Paul. The new humanity are godly people, those endowed with the, the blessing of the divine, those who walk and talk with Jesus. Let's see it right here. Uh, Help me find it, please, uh, Jared, uh, that we might share in the New Humanity. I believe it's somewhere in chapter 2. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah, it's right up in this section right here. Ephesians. Thank you. 2.15. Look at it. By setting aside in his flesh the laws with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new what? humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So the idea was there once was Jews and then there was Gentiles, and Jesus is now saying, in me, in me, a literal new humanity comes forth, a humanity of the godly, the godlike, those who participate in the divine nature. Let me just show you that scripture as well so it doesn't just freak you out like I'm making stuff up as I go along. Look at 2 Peter Look at what it says, Second Peter chapter uh, 1 verse four. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in what? Having escaped the corruption and where? The world caused by evil desires. This is it. This is your Christianity. This is why you're not a dog today sniffing your butt, eating your own dung. Are you listening? This is why you're not an animal living in a cage somewhere or being served up on somebody's plate today. You were made for glory. You were made to be inhabited by God himself. You were made to be a part of the creation of a new humanity, a new way of living. This is temporary. What we have now is a choice to make to be in Jesus or to be out of Jesus. The old humanity goes to hell with the devil. All that you see of the old humanity The fallen Adam and Eve, men without God. That's where they go. That's where ungodly people go. Ungodlike people go to hell because God loves sending humanity to hell. No, because ungodlike people in the end said, I want to stay out. I want to be out. I don't want to be in. I don't want transformation of mind and thought. I don't want union with my creator. Have you ever thought about the idiocy of atheism? And That doesn't mean I, I think every atheist is an idiot. They could be very smart, but the idiocy of their philosophy. They fight, and they write, and they take time to do lectures. All of these things against a God they believe doesn't even exist. To try to change people's minds who they believe don't even exist. They don't even believe in the mind. They believe that we are creatures of instinct. To try to impact people's purposes who who they believe is meaningless. They don't believe in a God, but they'll fight against it. They don't believe you have a mind, but they'll try to change your mind. And they don't believe that you have a purpose. You're just stardust, but they'll try to get you out of religion for a better purpose. My friends, it's meaningless without God. Think it through. It's meaningless without God. Yet you are here, and you know that God is real because he speaks to your heart the same way you speak to your heart. You know there's a sense about you that's different, and it's incomplete until you come into Christ. There's a sense about you like this, as C.S. Lewis says, there's a right and wrong, but yet you do it wrong. There's a sense of longing, yet you never get it satisfied. There's a sense of desire, but you can't find where it is. And then you come into union with Christ. And as I said at the beginning, what do you find? There there it is. There's my favorite tea. There's the sweater that feels right. There's the reason why I am the way that I am. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. I got another passage before I get to the message, amen? One more passage, then we get through the introduction. When we look at the writings of Paul, he says in him 130 times, 36 times in the book of Ephesians, and a lot of scholars then look at Paul, and they say, why is Paul never really quoting Jesus? And that's a good question. Why is it we don't see Paul saying, Jesus said this, Jesus said that? And atheists or unbelievers will use it against Christianity, and they'll go, well, it must be because, you know, Jesus wasn't a real person, Paul's making it up, etc." But that's not true. When you study the life of Paul, as we did in this church a few lessons ago, we begin to realize that Paul is actually actually receiving his message by revelation. In the timeline of the Gospels, if you guys remember, he's actually preaching before the Gospels are written down. Now, the life of Jesus has happened, obviously, but they haven't written it down yet. So Paul's right there at the beginning. Now, eventually, one of Paul's associates, Luke, goes around as they're traveling and gets all the stories and writes the Gospel of Luke. Peter, the apostle, tells Mark the Gospel that he had, and then John later on writes his and Matthew, so forth and so on. But here's the thing when you look at Paul. What he's getting from revelation of Jesus is exactly the things that the apostles write down and say, yeah, Jesus said it. And it's like, Paul, how would you know that if you weren't there? Paul was a Jewish man persecuting the Christians. He hated them. And yet when he talks in Ephesians, says in him 30 plus times, uses that phrase in him 130 times. And we know for a fact that Jesus, uh, that Paul was never with Jesus. How did he know? Jesus said this, John 15, 1 through 12, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide, remain in me, let's do the same thing here. Also, as I abide in you, no branch can bear fruit of itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. If you abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are not. You are like a branch thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire. If you abide. In me, in my words, abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Who's talking here? Jesus. How did Paul know this? How did Paul know this? Revelation. God gave him the revelation of what it meant to be in this vine. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now look at this. Because in Paul's language, literally in the book of Ephesians, he says we are rooted and grounded in love, in Christ Jesus. And that love knows no height, no depth, no width. Watch this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. Thank you, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What do we see Jesus doing? We see Jesus taking the very thing of creation that he created for this moment and bringing it to full circle, saying, hey, guys. You remember when my father and I created stuff? Remember back in the garden there were these things called grapes and they had vines and branches? Do you remember that? Do you remember how there's a vine and there's a branch and if the branch is connected to the vine, it will bear fruit. But if it's not, it dies and withers. He says, boys, fellas, that's what it's like with me and you. I am in you, you are in me, stay in me, abide in my love, and you will bear fruit. Jesus shows us, just like Paul shows us, that marriage, the union of man and woman, let me just show that to you so you can see it. It's all about Jesus, union, everybody say union, union. Look at it right here in Ephesians chapter 5. He goes through all of these wonderful things that we always hear at weddings, but now he says, For this reason, verse 31 of chapter 5, a man will leave his father and mother be united. Everybody say united, united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Amen. Are you excited? Are you guys excited? I know I was excited to get married, become one with my wife. Now watch this. This is a profound mystery. And everybody's like, yeah, it's really profound. We, we get it on. We become one. We make babies. We become fruitful. That's amazing. But, but Paul says, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christ in the church. I'm talking about a unification that goes beyond husband and wife and children. You're only a husband or wife and a child or a parent for so many years. In the kingdom of God, all that we are then is his brothers and sisters. We are no more mothers or fathers to our children. We are no more married to each other in heaven. This is all temporary boom shakalaka. This is all just Jesus's one big illustrated message. That's what life is, to show you to be in union with him. That's what he's he's given me my wife for. The entire purpose of me falling, I will cry right now, falling in love with my wife and having children and understanding the bond that's there is so that I can understand how God feels about me, what it's like to be in union with him. That's the whole purpose. That's the reason. We have made these things the idols. We've made them the end. These are just the means to the end. It's just the means to the end. It's not the end. I'm not a husband in the end. I am not a father in the end. I am like Jesus in the end. I'm like Jesus, godly, like him, endowed with his nature, ruling and reigning with Christ, the Bible says. That's why we love when he talks to us like this, those of us who have been around for a while, because it reminds us of our place in him. That we're not just here as little servants, little minions running around doing stuff. No, we are here to be sons and daughters. But there is a choice, even for us now that are in the vine. If we want to get out, he'll cut us right out. The Bible says that you'll get cut out. And this is the fear that I have for many of you, the danger that you place yourself in with your unbelief, with stinking thinking. When you start to believe that your temptation makes you who you are, just because you're tempted to have sex with another sex, uh, the same sex, that doesn't mean that's who you are. You're who God says you are. And just because you're tempted to have sex with the opposite sex a whole bunch of times before marriage doesn't mean that's who you are. And just because you want to have sex with yourself when you look at the Internet, that doesn't mean who you are. That's not who you are. And so what we do is we define ourselves by our attitudes. We define, well, this is the way my culture is. This is the way I am. And we define ourselves by all these things in the flesh all of these things in the flesh. Every young person, listen to me right now. And my wife mentioned it before. You don't even know what you would be like if you would be a teenager in India right now. You'd be dancing Bollywood, 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 Bolly, bump bump bum. You know, that's kind of like the, the Mexican thing, bump, bump bump. But no, you'd be like Bollywood. You'd be doing Bollywood. You, would, you, you are just a product of this environment. Little Wayne has just been used of the devil to get you to think that's what you like and that's who you are. But you would be dancing Bollywood if you were in India right now, shaking your tushy to that. Are you listening? All of these sins are just distractions, and then we take them on as who we are. You know, I'm this. And I can relate to that because that's what used to influence me. So I listened to Cypress Hill, Be Real, In Thane, In The Membrane. That's what I used to listen to, you know. We would wear our beanies really low, get high, wear these long, you know, uh, flannels with our baggy pants and our Timberlands with the little tongue sticking out, walking around like we're so tough, man. I mean, that's who we thought we were. I thought I was another little Cypress Hill. I thought that's who I was. That's not who I was. That's not who God made me to be. That was an idol of of what the devil wanted to distract me with. Come on, somebody say amen. This is not what I was called to be. Let's make sure that we don't get any nudie pictures up here, but let's see. Let's see right here. Let's see Cypress Hill. This is who I thought I was supposed to be. This is what I thought life was me. Let's see if I can get these guys right here smoking their weed and all this. This is how I grew up. These were my guys at this time right here, okay? So you guys all have, we all have our idols. We all have our people that we, we think we're supposed to be. So this was, supposed, this was supposed to be me. This is who I wanted to be, right? This was me. But that was, a, that was an illusion of me. That's an itchy sweater. It didn't feel right. I had to be high to ignore my real inner desires. I had to numb myself. I was outside of Christ. I was outside of the cabin, suffering, trying to figure it all out. But thanks be to God who saved me. Amen? Aren't you happy that you're saved today? And so here it is. I'll make my closing quick. Is that it's, a, it's, it's a thing of faith. It says, granted, they were broken off. Talking about some people who fell off. They got cut off. They were broken off because of belief, Romans 10, 20 and onward. And you stand by what? You stand by Faith. And if God did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. You don't want to do this right. God won't make you do it right. Do you want to be in him or out of him? That's where I want to be. I want to be in Christ Jesus. Here's some things I want to give you for some nuggies as we get ready to go. Okay, everybody say some nuggies. Rachel, would you come, please? Here's The closing's going to be a lot quicker, but I could be here all day. Here's, here's just a few things you can do right now if you want to understand this. Okay, number one, you got to believe it. That's how we're saved is by faith. That's how you'll participate in union is by faith. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's how I know this is real because in my spirit I'm with God right now. I don't always feel him like I ought to, but at those moments it makes me want to draw in closer to get back to the mindset that he's never left me. You know, like a lot of times we think like on a bad day, like God has left us. Like, you know, on on like an average bad day, like God's like a football field away, right? But on a day we've sinned and we've really messed up, he's like a mile away. And so in our our mindsets, like I'm always chasing after him. I'm always going to somewhere where he is because I'm not where he's at. But that's not what the Bible says. If you want to be where God's at, stop right now and acknowledge it and go, God is here with me. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with me. Forgive me of my sins and help me, God, to acknowledge your presence right now and to walk better with you. You see the difference? That's why when you sing the kind of songs that you do, oftentimes in K-Love and these kind of songs, they always put it so far off in a distance. We are now writing songs in this church with the band, and it's amazing because we want to start teaching you to sing the right lyrics that match the scriptures. Just not to say all all songs on K-Love are bad, by the way. I know there's a lot of good ones there, but I just know a lot of you get, get into that mindset. I'm broken. God, where are you? I'm coming after you. There you are. You're somewhere. I'm coming, God. I'm coming. You know, and it's like, well, if you're coming to God and he's away from you, then that means you're on your way to hell. Is that what you're believing? Well, if you're not on your way to hell, then God has never left you. What happened was your mind became filled with stinking thinking. You had a belief that was not true. And so, like, for example, last week we ended our service. We're praying, and I literally just stopped. And this is just a boast in God. I literally just stopped. You can go back and listen to it from the first service last week. I go, you have captured me with your love. And I literally just turned right back to Adam. I'm like, sing it. You've captured me with your love. That was the song you guys sung today. We will end with that same song. I went over to Vinny's house Monday. We wrote that entire song in one sitting. We we're, 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 Put the words up for me, please, so that they can see. We wrote this in one setting because there's something powerful as we're going through the book of Ephesians and as we're writing, these expressions of our heart need to start matching what the Bible says so the reality of Christ becomes more and more real to our understanding. You 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 know it but you have to begin to experience it right like I know my wife loves me but I got to experience it I got to interact with it I got to do something in my faith to go deeper and I don't just say she loved me 2 years ago I say she loves me today she and I'm going to confess that she loves me today and then I'm going to tell her I love you today and we're going to interact with each other today how many want to interact with Jesus Amen You predestined me for adoption, for the praise of your glory. See, sing that and believe it. Your glorious grace lavished on me, such glorious grace abounding. And then we know that part. But listen to the other verse. You chose me to be holy for your pleasure and your will. It's not that you're trying to make yourself holy. God chose you to be holy. Will that you have freely given, forgiven, and redeemed. Can I get an amen? I want you guys to think about this as we get ready to close out. And the next thing you got to do is you got to start confessing it. Let's confess this on the count of three. One, two, three. Christ is in me, and I am in him. I am seated with him in heavenly places, blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am united with Jesus in my spirit and am holy, complete, and perfect in him. Put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke it this week. Amen? Coffee is not your idol. Monday is not the devil. Wake up tomorrow and say, praise be to God. I'm with Jesus. I'm doing this with Him. With or without coffee. Amen? And then you pray for deeper understanding. Stop praying for traffic to get better. Stop praying for meaningless things. I mean, I know God hears those prayers, trust me, because he hears a lot from me of those kinds. But why don't you pray like this? I, this is what Paul said. This is what he was praying for them. I. This is the book of Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better that you may know him better. I want you to pray for that this week. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. We think about Buddha being so enlightened on his way to hell under a juniper tree. I'm not here to promote Eastern demonic religion. True enlightenment comes when the eyes of our hearts are opened and we comprehend the greatness of God. Write these three things down. Don't have time to get into them. Contemplation, meditation, imagination is what brings enlightenment to your heart. Contemplation, meditation, and imagination. Buddha had some of it, right? But he had the wrong God. He had the wrong mindset at the beginning, though he tapped on some of those things. But the Bible has them and had them before him. Meditation, contemplation, and imagination. Set your eyes, your spiritual eyes, in your heart on contemplating your unity with Christ. Use your imagination to see yourself in Him. And then begin to meditate on the words of the Scriptures until they become a part of your psyche, until they become a part of your psychosis, your conscious mind, thoughts producing chemicals and things working in the physical brain, that that is impacted by the spiritual principles of the Scriptures. I'm not just making that stuff up, by the way. Look up quantum physics physics, and consciousness right now. They're beginning to understand things they never understood before. Contemplation. Who, Who knows the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When we start in contemplation contemplation can move you to meditation and then to imagination. But just in contemplation alone, there is concrete and abstract ideas and ecstatic dreams and visions. One of the early church fathers, John John of Damascus, says, God inhabits through the mind the body of the saints. And so let me just share this quickly, what this concrete idea means. Jesus said it like this. He said, I'm like a mother hen trying to draw you into myself, but you guys keep resisting me. That's the concrete idea that Jesus gave you of who he is. Now go into the abstraction of that and say, God, what does it look like for you to draw me in and show me when I resist because I don't want to resist. And then in that state, God can give you dreams and visions. Don't we believe the Bible says those things? Now don't try to bring them on by going to a sweat lodge or doing some, some hallucinogenics. But as you pray and contemplate, you may have dreams and visions. That's where Peter got his when he was praying. Amen. And then lastly, you put it into action. Let me just review them real quick. Number one, you believe. Number two, you confess. Number three, you pray. Number four, you contemplate. And number five, you put it into action. So we're not just monks somewhere off in the Himalayan mountains, giving the Buddhists to run for their money, seeing who can walk on rice paper—the first first one, you know, without tearing it. You know, no, no, no. We're not here to do that. We're doing all of that as a as an obedience because we love Jesus. But then our good works—they follow naturally. And remember how I started with the taking off and putting on. It says you were taught with your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted and is deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of where to be made new in the attitude of your of your minds. Put on the new self, created to be like God. Who is the new self created to be like? Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey. Who is it created to be like? Are you born again? then you're created to be like who? God and true what? Righteousness and holiness. From that mindset, verse 25 starts the entire list of what you should do as a Christian. Therefore, each of you. Must stop lying. Speak the truth to each other. Stop having sex outside of marriage. Stop beating each other up. Stop being angry with each other. Stop stealing. I mean, it goes all throughout that list. But how does the action start? The action starts by having God change your mind and believe that you are a new self and that you are created to be like God. I was created to be like God. I was not created to be like this. I was not created to be like this, and some of you, some of you may say, "Well, Joe, that's obvious. We're not supposed to be drug-smoking rappers, whatever." But you know what? You weren't created to be like anything else other than God. Anything else you substitute in there? Well, I was created to be like, you know, like Martha Stewart, or I was created to be like Ellen Degeneres. She's so nice; she doesn't do drugs. I was created to be like this business person, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg. No, 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 all of these people are just now broken versions of the original version. And they'll never get the upgrade. They'll never get the upgrade until they repent. So the upgrade of having the resurrection and to one day being face-to-face with him and being as him in his nature. The Bible says you will see him face to face and be known as he will he will know you and you will know him and be changed into his very likeness. You guys remember uh the, the love passage of first Corinthians chapter thirteen? Look at how it says this for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child I talked like a child. Now, we think of that just like growing up. No, no, that's not just physically growing up. That's spiritually growing up. When I became a man, when I became like God in my thinking, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And now look at the, you see it right here. For now, we only see as in a uh, a reflection, as in a mirror. I can barely see Jesus in me when I look at the mirror because I only see my physical body. I only see Joe's eyes and these zits or whatever, a bad hair day. That's all that I see. But then then on resurrection day I shall be known fully even as I am fully known. And then th- the thought continues in 1 John. He says the entire same thing in his way. This is Paul's way of saying it, but here uh, in 1 John he's talking about the time is coming and all of these things are going to happen. But look at what it says is, is, is happening here to us about God's love and coming down. Look at what it says. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives what in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Does everybody get that? That's amazing, but keep going. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God and what in them. This is how love is made complete among us. When is the complete? among us. When is it finished? This is how we know love is finished and complete among us, that we have confidence on judgment day. In this world, we are like Jesus. Oh, I thought nobody was like Jesus. I thought nobody was perfect. No, in this world, we're like Jesus, and on judgment day, it's completed. Keep on going. Are you guys listening to me? You keep on going. He ends in chapter 5, that this is the testimony Uh, Look it up for me, uh, my brother, that uh, what we shall become is not known yet. Look that up for me. I want you guys to see. I believe it's right here at the end of chapter 5. I want everybody to see this because today you have to understand there's a day of judgment coming and the work is completed. I'll look it up on my end as well. 1 John. Do not know. 3 what? get it for you guys. It's before that. Look at 1 John chapter 3. I'm taking my time because I'd rather you see it in the word than just my personal opinion. Thank you. Look at it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what? Children of God, and that is what we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Now look at it. Verse 2. Dear friends, we are now the children of God, and what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when he appears, Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I don't know if you believe that today, but I want you to understand this in closing. God, the Son, joined himself to human nature, that we might be joined to his divine nature. God became what I was that I might become what he is. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Would you pray with me now and make this real in your hearts? Thank you for your patience. I'm going to ask you right now, if you're not born again, to ask Jesus to forgive you, to come into your heart, to transform you, to be in him. Because that's where it starts. In him comes through the born-again relationship. So if you're not born again, just say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to be made a new creation. Those of you who are born again, begin to confess it and believe it right now. I am who God said I am. I can do what he said I can do. I am in him. I am outside of the flesh and the sinful nature. I am waiting for the day of judgment when I shall be complete in him. Come on, somebody. Pray it through right now. And then number three, if there's anything that keeps you in unbelief, repent of it right now. Any ifs, ands, or buts that come to your mind, they come to my mind throughout the day. You know what they are. Recall them right now and repent of them. Altar workers, would you come, please, with the band. Anything today that has you disbelieve that when I was born again, I was brought in him, repent of it right now. Any temptation, any false belief, maybe you were taught differently from the scriptures, say, Lord, forgive me for believing things that weren't true. So all of us right now are born again, believing who God said we are, and are free from all sin that keeps us from doing what he called us to do. It's that simple. That's the Christian life. Do that. Do that, my friends, and you will prosper in this life. Do that, and the deepest desires of your heart will be fulfilled in Christ. Do that, and at a funeral, though your heart is breaking in a million pieces, you will have confidence in your God that he is with you, that he is there in that funeral with you. Do that, and through your hardest times, you will know that God never leaves you because you have the right understanding God is in you, and you are in him. A few more moments right now. We're going to sing that song, You've Captured My Heart With Your Love. Just pray as they're singing, though. We'll sing it out together, but I really want us to pray before we go. Individually, heart to heart with our God. Captured heart with your love. And there's no end to As they sing, as they sing, you pray. We'll sing in just a moment, saints, but you keep praying. Come on. Jesus, do it right now. Bring the revelation to our hearts. Open up our hearts to receive it. Contemplation, meditation, imagination. Go there if you can, even now. What do you think it's like to be seated with Christ in heavenly places? Can you use your imagination for that? Meditate right now on a scripture. Come on, let's make it real my heart with your love. Jesus, we want to make it real today. The reach of your love. One more time through and then we'll sing it together. My heart with your love. God is drawing in humanity to Himself. There's no end to the to give us an upgrade To love. restart this thing on judgment day. But the time frame between then and now matters. Because now until then, we walk and talk with Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. Would you worship with us before we go? Come on. you Let's sing it out today. If you believe it, sing it today. There's no end to the depths of your love. You've captured. You've Turn my heart with your love come on sing it up one more time one more time and then we'll sing the bridge come on let's worship you can Man, let's go to that bridge. When I believed, Let the and let's keep it exciting. Let's proclaim it. When I believed, when I believed if I was healed, healed. The when, when I believe, I was healed. Do you believe it today? Sing out your faith, saints. One more time. I was One more time when I believe. You. Oh, When I believe I was healed Ooh. by the promised Holy Spirit. When, when I believe I was sealed in you. Let's pray our dismissal. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. But I pray none of us leave that same way we came, that all of us leave with a greater understanding, a greater glory of what you're doing in us. And, Lord, we look forward to this week because we get to go through it with you for the joy set before us. We're ready for it. Be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Otherwise, worship with us. We'll see you at Life Groups. Amen. I the promise, Holy yes, God bless you as you go. I was in you. Woo!